This is The Neutral Position, hosted by Nick Palmashano, Bringing honesty and reason back into conversation. Here's your host, Nick Palmashano. I want to take a quick moment to thank one of our sponsors. When the founders of Ugly Chews reached out to sponsor the program and I looked at their website and saw the Chews, I have to tell you, I thought Ugly Chews were appropriately named. They're very ugly and your dog chews on them. Nailed it. Then the samples arrived and I realized they are not named correctly. They are far, far uglier than the word ugly lets on. They're hairy. They're not artificially colored. They're gross. But you know who didn't find them gross? My athletic body with a dumb face that won't let him breathe, Boston Terror. Rufus. Rufus can't get enough of them. Instead of sitting around slobbering and struggling to breathe, he sits around slobbering on an ugly chew while he struggles to breathe. He loves the damn things. These uglier than ugly chews are healthy. There are no artificial ingredients. There are no chemicals. It's just disgusting, horrific nature wrapped up in an ugly sun-dried chew. And in addition to being good for your dog's digestion, these things don't fall apart and get soggy like rawhide. I hate to say it because they're so damn ugly, but they're the best thing to happen to dogs since man let wolves get close to the fire and domesticated them. And if you're not happy with them, ugly chews gives you your money back. So if you want to make your dog happy and healthy, go to UglyChews.com. That's right, UglyChews.com. Hey guys, welcome to The Neutral Position. I am honored to have Patty Catter here with me today. Patty, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Nick. It's a pleasure to be on the show. So my name is Patty Catter, and I am best known, I guess, for podcasting, or Ken's wife. (laughs) Um, But I've been a podcaster since 2007, so I've been podcasting for quite a while. That's a long time. It is. So 2006 was when I started Ranger Up. There was no easy way to podcast back then, and there was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. There certainly wasn't, you know, like... TikTok. Um, back then, like, how did you even stand up a podcast? How did you get the word out? I never intended for it to grow the way that it grew. Mm-hmm. Um, so back in the day, I just started this little tiny online talk radio show for military spouses. It was when my husband Ken was deployed in Iraq, and I thought it would be a great way just for the military spouses to stay connected with one another because some of them started moving off of the base or some of them were going back home to their families sure. while their loved one was deployed. Yeah. So I started on this little tiny platform. It was called Talk Shoe Radio. It wasn't even technically that. a I, podcast. Yeah. And so what was that like? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you're people don't understand when a thing doesn't exist and then you start it it's a different thing like me starting a podcast now right we we started i'm not allowed to call this a podcast hollywood <laughs> behind the camera tells me it is a show not a podcast so I, the show I, i'm not the first person to do this you know um, millions of people have podcasts now so for me to start this it's very easy um, for me to start Ranger Up was very hard because there was no social media. There was I had to find ways of getting the message out. How did you get the message out when you're starting this at a time where individual shows were not really a thing? I mean, it, it wasn't a thing. And you couldn't just 
slap it on Facebook and throw some money behind it because it didn't exist. So how'd you do it? Right. So it just started out to be a, a nice little group for the local military spouses. And then, you know, in the military community, word travels really fast. So I would have a friend who listened on, you know, whatever day of the week that we would have the show on. And mm -hmm. she would tell her friend, hey, you should listen to this um, this little online talk radio because it has some really great points. You can connect with other spouses. You don't have to go to in-person meetings. And the show, you could listen to it anywhere you're located. So you could listen to it in the middle of nowhere if you wanted. You didn't yep. have to be at a military space or a place that the military gives you. So, like so a base. <laughs> so was it all like word of mouth connection? Mm -hmm. So like it you, was. you know. Did they have Spotify back then? No, I don't no. think so, no. no. So no. Where, where was it stood up? Like on a, a, like a blog, like a website, <laughs> I guess? Like an individual website. Yeah, so what I had is I had this little website. It was called Christian Military Wives back in the day, and I created an online forum. I don't know if you remember forums. I do. But, I do. Um, so I'm, I was a computer nerd back in the day. So I started with, um, if you remember, you, pro you probably don't. I think you're younger than me, but I'm not sure. Uh, BBSs. Oh, yeah. Do you remember BBSs? <laughs> I had one, yeah. You had a BBS. Yes. Okay. Um, so I was I was on BBSs mm -hmm. as my, my handle back then, I haven't shared this with anybody, <laughs> was Phantom. <laughs> oh, that was my BBS. How original. That was my BBS. <laughs> uh, hey, back then it was. I was, it was. doing Phantom. So like, <laughs> um, so like I was doing, uh, I made computer viruses in like... Um, you know, like assembly language and basic and like, you know, not to do like real harm to anybody, but like sure. our friends, we would destroy each other's computers because that was funny to, you know, teenagers in the 80s. But um, so, yeah, I remember forums. I'm sorry for the side part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, we had a forum okay. and on this website, I mean, people would just have to Google literally Christian military wives in Google and it would pop it up. Okay, but so, so Google existed. It though. did. I'm, it did. <laughs> I'm not sure how old Google is, though, so don't put me on the spot there. I I think Google popped up around 96, 97. Tom, can right. you, uh, let's see how good my, my memory is. Okay. <laughs> so while he's looking that up. Yeah, so um, I started this this forum and it just kind of grew and then um, people started connecting more and more online, especially in the military spouse community mm -hmm. back during the wars when yep. people were looking for answers or searching for other people who understood. Um, so the women just started gravitating towards the site and like I said, they would tell their friends and their friends would tell their friends. And so it grew a little bit, but um, I kind of started feeling boxed in after a few years of just having sure. this online talk radio, yeah. you know. Um, and then things changed for me, too. Um, no longer was I a military spouse in 2010, but my husband, he medically retired from the military. Mm -hmm. So then I was a veteran spouse. And so um, during that time, I just kind of rolled and did a little pivot and started a blog talk radio <laughs> yeah. um, and did that. And what, was, di what was the difference from, you know, the Christian uh, military wives to the blog talk radio? What, mm -hmm. what did you change? 
Um, I changed the format of the show. So it wasn't just military spouses anymore. It was actually military members I was bringing onto the show, mm-hmm. uh, talking to the veterans themselves, and then also community members. I even had somebody from an organization that was a psychologist who would come on and talk about the PTSD or the brain injuries that some of these guys were having after returning from war. So it, it changed quite a bit from just being this little spouse fun get together to yeah. like wow now we're we're reaching more communities and how do you so I, I always find it interesting because we're going through this now this show is relatively new and already from the first episode to now this is uh i don't know exactly where we are but the 14th or 15th episode that we filmed um it's changed like our formats changed a little bit how we structure it's changed a little bit how did you like when you were going into this what were you thinking was critical to to change like how did you say i need this format and what were the reasons for it Mm -hmm. i'm asking that because i think sometimes when people start things they think well what the the thing that i made is what it has to be but i anticipate that a year from now this show is even more different than it is now because we've got to iterate and continue to improve so how did you how did you approach this because you've you've now iterated multiple times mm-hmm. um, you know and I'm jumping ahead but you know yeah I mean really for the biggest thing I guess for me is when I started out I never intended for it to grow into what it is today so I was just doing it to help other people mm-hmm. and actually through all the years I've always continued just to do it to help other people I figure you know a podcast platform or TV or radio or wherever you're putting your yourself out there, if you're helping other people, you're going to help a lot more people on those bigger platforms sure. than you could just helping your neighbors. So sure. I always felt like my destiny was just to kind of be a bigger moving part of this universe and leave something better behind. So I never really put much that thought. Is a big, that's a big statement right there. Mm-hmm. Like my destiny. Like I, I like it. I like it. I need to start... I need to start thinking bigger like that, Tom. I'm always like, you know, oh, I'll do a nice show. And you're like, my destiny is to be part of the, you know, like, I like it. I like yeah. it. I'm sorry. Oh, by the way, Google was uh, started in August of 1998. But when did it launch? Uh, that's September when September 4th. I'm sorry? September 4th? Okay. There you my go. Birthday. Wow. Okay. All right. That seems a lot. I was expecting 95, 96, really. No, no, no. But. No. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was later, but that makes sense. That's crazy. It killed everything. Oh, yeah. Like Google, it back, because it used to be like, are you on web crawler? Are you on Alta Vista? Are you on, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your thing was, Bing. Ask Jeeves. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, all of that just got smoked the second Google came out. Within like a year, right? It was, it was like. It was why, almost instantaneous. Yeah. Why am I on anything other than Google? Yeah. There's, yeah. there's this new fangled thing called a search engine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back yeah. to like, how did how do you iterate? Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I never really had a strong plan. Honestly, I just kind of learned to, like I've said before, like just pivot and move, um, because I just felt like I was always trying to help somebody somehow in different ways. And in my life, I grew in different ways. So I would kind of like a butterfly, I guess. You know, you start out as this little cocoon. I had no idea what was about to happen, I like guess. all of your comparisons are better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Destiny, <laughs> we've got a metamorphosis happening. I'm I have like, a vivid imagination. <laughs> I'm like, I got bored with the old thing and started a new thing. Like, <laughs> uh, You do really great at 
I appreciate it. Making new things, though. Oh, my goodness. I appreciate it. Yeah, so basically, I, I never really had a huge plan moving forward. Honestly, not until 2020 have I ever looked at my stats. So I I didn't ever care about that. And I still, honestly, I don't really care about my stats. I put it out there because it helps people know, like, oh, she's actually serious about what she does. Um, But all the way until 2020, I never thought, like, who's listening to my show? Honestly, when I did see how many listeners I had, it kind of freaked me out. I'll bet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, my God. You've got a huge show. I do. Like, yeah. you know, and I've known about you for a long time. Like, you know, we've been Facebook friends and I've heard your show. And I, like, I'll, I'll be honest, I listened to it because it was, you know, at the time, like in the military space. And um, I didn't have any idea. I didn't actually have any idea how big your show was. Like, you know, we asked you to come on and you sent your, uh, your, your team sent your bio. And it was like... Or shows this big like it's wild yeah I don't like thinking about it yeah. <laughs> our show is not as big so you know you can you can have less stress being on this show um, what do you think is the reason that you have you know millions of listeners because that's a huge that's not an easy thing mm-hmm. you know honestly I think about it sometimes and I wonder like is it just because I'm down to earth my guests are always down to earth people relate to that I don't yell on my show. Nobody's screaming on my show. Do you want to yell on this show? Maybe. Do you want me to? Yeah, you you can. can Yeah, yell yell at Tom. Tom! (laughs) Yeah. Stop. Got it. That was a yell? (laughs) See, I feel like I could definitely yell. I mean, I could probably do that better, but I don't don't want to. Damn it, Tom! (laughs) I love my job. I love my job. You're fired. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. Well, that's not punishment. So now is a good time to tell everybody. Tom has a skull collection. Oh. I'm not joking. Tom has a skull collection. Like humans? Yeah, or? Uh, uh, several. Uh, Tom, do you want to tell us about it? You're your not fired. Stuff? I was just joking. <laughs> no, no, I know. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I basically, I started having them for when I was in illustration for just uh, anatomical study and medical illustration and stuff and just really liked them. <laughs> I don't know why. I just really liked it and I for, needed other examples. For those of you that don't know, Tom has been voted most likely to be a serial killer <laughs> at, at the Diesel Jack Media Universe. He was a quiet boy, kept to himself. No one would ever say, wow, I never expected that. We'd all say, yeah, we knew yeah, it was a yeah, time yeah. bomb just yeah. waiting to go off. Yeah, you know how, that's right. I have a lot of thoughts going through my head right now. Yeah. <laughs> that happens. I kind of, kind of want to interview you later. Yeah, you want to you know, interview my wife? You don't, you don't, want, to, you don't want to open up that can of worms. I'm just still alive, right? Do you get recognized? Um, I have like started it? to, but I was actually just talking to um, this girl this morning that I, is friends with me. She was at my house early in the morning, 3.30 a.m., and we were having this conversation. I said, you know, um, most of the work I have done has been in, like, D.C. or other areas. Yep. It's not really close to my house, but now close to home, people are starting to listen and talk, and I was really embarrassed. I was in the grocery store the other day, and this man at the cashier, he's like, you're that podcaster, aren't you? And I was just like, yeah. Wait till <laughs> you go to I the get, airport. Yeah. You start getting recognized there. Yeah. I, I like to lay low-key. It's weird, um, right? Yeah. Like, it's weird. Yeah. Um, I... I've gone through like phases of my life. Mm-hmm. So at the peak of Ranger Up, when I was still doing that, we were very big on social media. 
I was well known in the military community. And so I would get stopped in very random places. So we did a video called uh, the Ranger Up Workout video where we are where we were like uh, in short shorts and like stacking and like doing all kinds of ridiculous military things but to dance. And um, I was in a Best Buy with my, at the time, five-year-old daughter and three-year-old son. And, um, you know, I forgot what we were getting. Like, you know, but it was that hectic parent moment mm -hmm. where you're like, you know, I just oh. want to kind of get through this. Yeah. And these three guys, and they were so happy. They're like, oh my God. <laughs> And they were like, can we please, t can we take this picture? And they wanted me, they wanted to do like a military stack on a door. <laughs> and I, I'm basically like asking the Best Buy lady to like watch my kids and like, uh, you know, 10 feet away from me. Yeah. So that his, like another person can take this picture. And it was like, that was a weird moment. And then like, I kind of walked away from being in the spotlight for a little while. And then um, now it's more like dudes that are like, oh, I, I saw you on the Bad News Network or I saw you on Fox or I saw. So it's a it's a different recognition. It's mm -hmm. not like a excited recognition. It's like, oh, like, let's talk about a thing recognition. Um, I don't know if it's better or worse, but, mm -hmm. you know, there have been a few interesting moments. So what's the weirdest one you've had? Um, I was at a concert one day and there was a man behind me and I was talking to my friend and this I mean he didn't look very nice like I was a little nervous about him he came up and he's like you're that podcaster I recognize your voice like he looked real gruff I guess yeah how yeah, I would yeah. describe him and then after we started talking I was like well how did you hear my podcast um, because normally it's like military community yeah. and he's a military veteran oh. and I was like oh well that's really that was actually really cool it was weird though because I was at a concert screaming my head off and not my typical podcast voice and, and he recognized your and voice he, from that yeah he did that's pretty yeah wild. and he was behind me so that's that was pretty wild yeah that was even more weird yeah Be because like you know your voice it's not like some people have very recognizable voices mm -hmm. like Fran Drescher like yeah. you know it's her yeah. right you don't have that kind of voice mm -hmm. I mean you know you have a, a great radio voice but it's not like distinct it's not crazy distinct right so to pick it up at a concert that that must be a fan mm -hmm. that was a weird yeah <laughs> that, that was, was a kind fan, of weird you know yeah and i i've learned you have to be really careful what you say on air too because you do get crazies you get right crazies. i mean you know that you i'm get sure crazy. Well, i think it's mm -hmm. worse for women mm -hmm. i think it's worse for women because i get aggressive people in in the comments that are like you're a piece of crap for this or you're trash or what you know but i don't get uh, like, you know, if, if girls like you, they might send you pictures or whatever, but they don't like stalk and stay with you. Like guys, I feel like, I'm sure you have dudes that are like in love with you. I've are, had two that I had to block recently because they just were crazy. They don't stop. Right. And it's like they they have in their mind that you're going to end up together and you're mm -hmm. like, I don't know you. I'm married. Like, you know, please leave me alone. Like, I can only imagine. Mm -hmm. The bigger your show gets, it must get weirder. So in the military community, I noticed that it, it was worse for me as a labeled caregiver because I had a lot of other proclaimed caregivers out there who might not like something I say. And they're like, well, you're a spokesperson and you're supposed to be representing caregivers. 
but I'm just a person at the end of the day sure. representing my own views and opinions. Yep. So I do remember having some really weird comments. And everybody's experience is different, mm -hmm. you know, and especially, you know, and I don't, I don't know what, you know, your situation. I don't know how bad, you know, Ken was, you know, uh, or how challenging that was, but I know a lot of military caregivers and, um, this, the, the situations vary greatly and they also vary over time. Like mm -hmm. some people have spouses that were in real bad shape that have steadily improved. Other people have spouses that were in pretty good shape and have, you know, really digressed. Mm -hmm. Um, nobody knows but you yeah you know kind of what you've gone through and mm -hmm. and it's true I always tell people too you never know what's going on behind closed doors yeah. because not only are they a caregiver but they're also a, a daughter or yeah. a friend so like in my case you know I had other things going on with my parents being mm -hmm. sick and things like that but um, to get back on track about how do you deal with people like yeah. that who are nasty online I just block them now I used to try to like vindicate myself or try to to um, tell people you know what I thought they needed to hear for my side of the story but now I'm like you don't need a glimpse of that personal life yeah. like that's my private yeah. life uh, I'm, and I'm the same I will talk forever to reasonable people yes like if somebody writes me and is like Nick I disagree with you here's why you know I'll, I will talk to somebody that has zero followers for mm -hmm. a long period of time. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't care about that at all. Like I'm not, I'm not only going to talk to, you know, verified people or, you know, whatever. I think that's silly. But if somebody is a jerk, mm -hmm. like, and I don't care if the person being a jerk is, you know, uh, somebody with, you know, no followers or Elon Musk, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't matter to me. If somebody is just a jerk that, you can tell their intention is just to be a pain in the ass. Like, why am I gonna spend any time with this person? Like, it doesn't make any sense. You're not coming at it from a good place. We're not gonna get to a good place. I could agree with you completely, and you're still gonna hate me. Yeah. So like, you know, go hate me in, in silence. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need it. Yeah, so I'm a huge fan of the block button. I have yeah. no problem blocking somebody, especially, you know, you don't know them anyway, so yeah. whatever. Yeah, in my youth, yeah. I used to like, the rain, the peak ranger up days i would like say hey here's my address we can we can we, but i'm i'm in my 40s now and, 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 much and more we don't do those sorts of things anymore we are a fine civilized we're, bunch we're of people. civilized people now uh, although he does have a skull collection mm -hmm. and so he must uh, go to bat for you once in a while civilized battles <laughs> many years ago um i was one of two north carolinians to be on the isis kill list and I think Tom was the only employee. I think you, Tom's been with me for a long time. I, uh, I think Tom, you were the only only person that was still here then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was like the most exciting moment for like the company. Everyone was like, yeah, you know, it was like, you know, it looked like a, uh, like the uh, gear up montage in any action <laughs> film, like Expendables, like, you know, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, and we can put a safe here. And yeah, immediately everybody's out on the range the very next week <laughs> learning. Yep, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, I do remember that, though, because I remember I had this Christian military wives and I'm like, I'm going to be a target. And the next thing I know, I remember hearing about you. Yeah. 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 It was weird because um, I'm used to people. I'm used to getting contacted by the FBI because you know, and you know this, like if you're in the military, you, 
you know, your friends are occasionally going, they're going to go for TS clearances, or maybe they're, they're going to work for the agency, or maybe they're working for the FBI. So FBI agents will come and they will talk to you to run their clearance. Mm -hmm. So this FBI agent calls me and is like, hey, I need to talk to you tomorrow. Like we're, you know, sure, no problem. I assumed it was a security clearance for one of my SF buddies or something. Dude shows up and he's like, hey, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're on the ISIS kill list. And <laughs> like he shows me all of this traffic of these people like, you know, here and they had my home address and they had my work address. And it was like, and, you know, and I asked him like, you know, how real is this? And, you know, he was honest. He was like, I doubt they're going to hire like a Syrian, a Syrian freedom fighter to come and actually kill you. It's more like if there's an idiot out on the dark web that wants to prove himself, mm -hmm. you know, you, you would be like the yeah. potential easy target. And so, um, it was crazy though. I had to go back and tell my wife that my wife who's English comes from a no gun society and, uh, was like, Hey, I don't know how to say this, but you know, I'm on the ISIS kill list. Here's what, and she was like, Roy, looks like, uh, and she doesn't actually sound like this. I, I, everything is Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> I, I Dick Van Dyke everything. She has more of like that, that nice high, uh, highbrow English accent. But she, Roy, uh, looks like uh, I'm going to have to learn how to use a gun then. Uh, <laughs> uh, what should we do with the, the doors and the windows? Do we need some additional security? And, you know, so next thing you know, we have like bulletproof windows. And yeah, it was wild. And the best part was that I made it onto the list four months before Tim Kennedy did. Oh. And so I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know, it's not easy, you know, being as dangerous as I am. And like, he was so mad and then he made it on the list and then he, he, uh, he was very excited and kind of, you know, tried to make, he made like 14 videos about it. So it was, I remember like that next week, you were out of the office for, from time to time and you'd come back and be like, what were you doing? And he was like, oh, well, um, you know, I had to go to the schools because I, I have kids and I had yeah. to give the schools the 411. Yeah. That must yeah. have been really oh, tough. Oh, yeah. How did you deal with that? That was the, that was the only thing I worried about mm -hmm. is like somebody grabbing the kids. Yeah. That was the only thing, you know. But now my kids are all older and they're pretty lethal in their own right, so mm -hmm. I worry less about it, mm -hmm. you know. I've got, I've got one little one left. Yeah. But the rest of them are all, the girls are, you know, I've got one daughter who is like a elite wrestler like truly an elite wrestler and my other daughter is a badass jujitsu player and like I don't I don't worry about them too much like they can they can handle themselves anyway that we digressed um so you know you've got these people that uh they become infatuated mm -hmm. and you block them and do they ever skirt around that? Yes. So this one that just happened this last week, actually, I screenshotted some of his messages and sent them to a few of my friends and said, if anything happens to me, it's this guy. Um, because he was writing things like, for us and like mm, I heard I heard the show you did for us and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not gonna um, have a serial killer show yeah, next. Like, I don't, like, how do they get there? Yeah. Like, how do you get, like, did you yeah. have a guess what, like, his name was John and it was, this was a John and he's like, oh, you did that for me? No, no I don't even want to say his name on here, but I'll tell you after. Okay. <laughs> I mean, 99.9% .9 of people that mm -hmm. listen or watch are awesome. Mm -hmm. and, yes. And, and they're like, yeah. I'm incredibly appreciative, mm -hmm. but man, that 0.01%, you're like, 
what happened in mm-hmm. your life? Mm-hmm. That- yeah, and I just, at the end of the day, I think they're very lonely. Obviously, sure. there's some mental illness there, sure. I think. And then there's just some psychos. I think this is a, I think this generation or this time period, I, I think it, it almost curates loneliness mm-hmm. because you know, you used to have to go out and be with people. And being with people is very different than talking to them online. Mm-hmm. It just is. Like, it just, it's healthier to physically be in a room with people. Um, you know, I talk about this all the time. I've never had anybody just walk up to me and be a jerk. Mm-hmm. Me either. And not, you know. You know, but online, they will say anything. Mm-hmm. And, and, without repercussion, without worrying about it, and not even assess that they might be cruel or unkind mm-hmm. for saying these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't even think about it at all. They don't think about it. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge deal. Um, and, you know, we call them keyboard warriors. Yeah. I know a lot of, um, especially in the veteran community, there were a lot of them at one point. I remember several other, um, I'll, I'll say leaders in the community, yeah. such as yourself, but others who really experienced a lot of hate online yeah. that they normally wouldn't have. I mean. No, in real um, life, never. Right, and especially in the veteran community. You know, um, in real life, when I go to events, everybody is so kind and mm-hmm. so nice, and, and there is only a very small amount of people who aren't even online, because my show is positive, it's uplifting. I mean, if you're trying to argue with me online, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. And then they get mad because you don't argue. Yep, <laughs> so you're, 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 you're ducking damned, me. Yeah, you're damned you're, if you do, damned if you, you don't You blocked sometimes. me, you're afraid of yeah. me. Like, I'm not afraid of you, like I just don't wanna talk to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just, they have too much time on their hands. A lot of them, I'm, I'm assuming they're not working a productive job, they mm-hmm. don't feel good, insecure where they're at in life. So you just have to take into account that it's a mental illness probably. Backing up again, so you started the second show, mm-hmm. but that isn't where things really took off. So right. where did you go from there? Yeah, so there was a point in my life, it was around 2014, 15, and 16, that I was like, gosh, I just feel really boxed in. Because um, when I met my husband, to those of you who don't know, he was just getting out of the Marines. He had a 10-year break in service. He was a police officer. During that 10 years, um, right after he got out of the Marines is when I met him. So I had my own life. Like I, I didn't really know him in the military when he mm-hmm. was in the Marine Corps. So I was an author. I was a journalist. I actually was a journalist since the 10th grade. I wrote for the Flint Journal at one point in 10th grade. Um, so That's I, really cool. Yeah, I had a lot of cool things I was doing. and. Um, so people don't understand that I actually was somebody before I yep. was an army wife. Yeah. Um, and so that's got to be frustrating. It was because I always felt um, and it part of it was my fault. It was my marketing. I didn't know what I was doing and uh, I didn't even think I was marketing. I, I do think, but, I, you know, um, I think it is a hard thing to be a military spouse because I do think that, you know, um, like you're going in, you know, in the community, you really do kind of, at least this is the way it was when I was in, you really do kind of get pigeonholed as, you know, your lieutenant so-and-so's wife, your mm-hmm. captain so-and-so's wife, your sergeant so-and-so's wife. You don't know anything about that person other than the attachment to the spouse. Mm-hmm. And inside the military, there's nothing more important than the military. So, I mean, you could have a woman married to a sergeant that is like a powerful, 
you know, executive crushing life. But to like the entire battalion, it's just, you know, Sergeant Smith's wife. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I think that is something that they haven't really improved meaningfully. You know, that's my impression anyway. Oh, it's true. So what does that yeah. do to you mentally going from you know, being a person that like, I mean, you said you wrote a book before you guys got together. I was writing. I actually was a CEO of a newspaper for teenagers. I, I was doing a lot of things, but everybody recognizes me as the military veteran caregiver. Yeah. <laughs> um, because remember reverting back to that story about how we started with a bulletin board online yep. and the yep. forum and all that stuff. Um, the internet just takes what it wants. So it yeah. collects all that information. Yeah. Didn't have my backstory because I didn't put it out there. I mean, I, I never did think I would be podcasting this long, honestly. So I didn't really think about the long-term yeah. um, ramifications of people knowing me as only a military veteran spouse or military spouse. Um, but even at events, um, I would speak at events for the military community on behalf of caregivers. So then I was labeled, this is Patty Catter. She's a military veteran caregiver. Mm -hmm. And so that, it just felt like walls were kind of closing in on me. I'm a very open person. I'm a free spirit. I'm an Aries. <laughs> um, I like to, to switch things up a lot. And um, I really just felt boxed in. And so there was a point Finally, I just felt like I was kind of in a pressure cooker mm -hmm. um, where I can only talk so much about being a military veteran caregiver. I get it. And I just had to expand. I so get it. it was during that time um, that I just started exploring different ideas for shows and came across another show, um, The Decision Hour, and they needed a co host. So I went ahead and decided to do co hosting with Adam Bird. Um, on the decision hour and that really helped me just relax enough to think like oh my gosh I can finally interview other people and it doesn't always have to be about military and I still love my military people but I can also um, broaden the horizon yeah. and interview all sorts of people yep. and, and you know the first guest I had on my show um, wake up with Patty Catter um, after I decided to start an, another show that's open to everybody who has any kind of trials. Um, the first guest was a guy who um, was paralyzed in a car accident. Huh. And I don't know how many veterans reached out to me and said that his story re resonated with them, even though they weren't hurt the same way. Yep. They were, he was a paraplegic. Yep. And some of you know, the military community needed to hear his story because he turned into a bodybuilder. And one of the wow. veterans, he's like, I didn't even know there was bodybuilding for paraplegics huh. and this guy was a civilian so you know um that was when i knew that something good was happening that i didn't feel boxed in anymore as a caregiver and i was just like my own person again yeah i i mean i i think that's awesome i totally understand it um i you know when i got out of the military you know i i went to grad school i got a fortune 100 gig um, I started Ranger Up as a hobby. It was a hobby. It was like, I want to stay connected, but I, you know, and then, uh, you know, it, it blew up, became a real business. And at some point, you know, unhealthily, it almost became my identity. Mm -hmm. And um, when I stepped away from Ranger Up, you know, when we, we did a, a business deal with some, some great folks in Ohio, um, 
at first it was rough because it was kind of like my identity was gone, but actually it was like the most freeing thing ever because all of a sudden I didn't have to be that military influencer guy. And you don't realize how much you think like I have to do X, or I have to do Y. And, and I've never been the person that like, I never pandered, I'm always honest. So mm -hmm. like there, there have, you know, it wasn't a matter of that, but it was like, you, you do feel trapped sometimes. Like this is what I do, this is who I am. And like getting out of that mm -hmm. was huge. And you know, with this show, you know, we absolutely have veterans on. Um, you know, my company helps a lot of veteran organizations, but it's nice to be Nick the civilian and not Nick the military influencer, mm -hmm. whatever that means. Yeah, and it's great for your followers to see that too because they can see like, oh gosh, you know, I was in the military like Nick. Yeah. He's not stuck anymore. I don't need to be stuck anymore. The military is a phenomenal foundation. I, I actually think it's about the best foundation that a person can have for life, mm -hmm. but it should be a foundation. Unless you're a career military officer, but even then, right? Like a career is typically 20 years. If you're a general officer or, or a, you know, a senior sergeant major, maybe it's 30, but that's actually not your life. You know, there is going to be a civilian career. So I, I, think, I think it's really important to have to not look at yourself as your job. And I mean that for any job. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it was unhealthy when I was in the military to think of myself as, you know, a soldier, a soldier, a soldier. I think it was unhealthy when I was at Ranger Up to think of myself as the Ranger Up guy as opposed to, you know, being a person that has, you know, goals that are individual. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you were wrestling with that. I was a lot because I knew a lot of people looked up to me too. So mm -hmm. I never wanted to let anybody down, mm -hmm. um, especially the military spouse community. I, I mean, I started a group on Facebook. We had, I don't know how many people, thousands, couple thousands of caregivers online yep. and I was their leader. And so when I stepped down, you know, people would reach out to me and, and still to this day, if somebody reaches out to me and they have a question, yeah, you, help. you know, I try to help them. Yeah. Absolutely. But it was hard because I felt like I was letting people down but I did learn that if I'm not there, there's always gonna be somebody else to yeah. replace me yeah. or they're gonna to have to start learning to do some of those things on their own. Um, and that was hard for me to swallow, I think. I think, you know, for me, it's freeing. You know, um, one of the things my dad always said is like, everyone's replaceable, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, you know, stepping away from Ranger Up, for example, there are so many options now. I mean, there's Grunt Style, there's Nine Line, there's a bunch of brands I don't even know because I don't even pay attention to it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, no one needs me to be there. Like, and I'm happy to help people however I can, but it's not like um, you do have to, with your own life. I think you have to be selfish. Mm -hmm. I think I think a good life is one of service but I think you should serve how you want to serve at any given point. And you don't have to be uh, married to whatever you have done. Mm -hmm. That's how I think about it. Yeah, it's you know? true. And um, I think listening to your gut is really important mm -hmm. uh, because if you don't, you'll have, I'm sure you had the same thing, you know, as an uh, influencer. Um, I, 
use that word kind of often because I mean really yeah. you're an influencer like it or not I'm an influencer like we don't like the terminology I know that um, any influencer I know they actually don't like that word um, but the fact of the matter is we have to listen to our gut because we do have so many people coming at us right so you have people who want to do business with you people who want to go into business with you because you worked your butt off and you created yeah. something super successful and now there's those people wanting to ride on your coattails <laughs> I have I printed two T-shirts out, um, one for me and one for Tim Kennedy, and um, we call it the Joe Rogan Pipeline. But I have a T-shirt that says, "No, I will not introduce you to Tim Kennedy," and I made one for him that says, "No, I will not introduce you to Joe Rogan," because people will play the long. I'm not joking. Like they will reach out to me, befriend me, say a bunch of nice things, and I'm always waiting for it. Mm -hmm. And then boom, hey, uh, this would be a great thing for Tim Kennedy. Do you think maybe we could bring him in on it? And it's all like that was the plan all along. Mm -hmm. And they're not as crafty as they think they were. Right. And then on the rare occasion when somebody gets access to Tim, they really want to get on the Joe Rogan podcast. And Tim is never going. He he like he has like put it in stone like i am not going to use my friendship mm-hmm. with joe rogan to like help people get whatever their thing is like yeah. they can reach out to joe they can get on they can do something cool enough that joe is interested like mm-hmm. i would never ask mm-hmm. and and you know we've been exactly. very good friends for a long time i would never mm-hmm. say tim get me on joe rogan no, but Tim, not, you need to get him on Joe Rogan. You know, no, no, no. Um, but yeah, like I would say, I don't know, 60 percent of the people that reach out to me ultimately just want me to introduce them mm-hmm. to Tim, which yeah. is like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I and know they're it. not bashful about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not bashful. So I bet you never had this happen. I had somebody put me down on their job resume. <laughs> She listened to my podcast. They called me and they were like, hey, do you know so-and-so? And And I'm like, no, I don't know that person. Oh, my God. Yeah, they put down my podcast. They put you as a reference? Yeah. (laughs) I told the company flat out. Hey, listen, listen. For those of you out there, put me down as a reference. (laughs) Put me down as a reference. I will absolutely, like, go all in on it. But it'll be ridiculous. But I will do it. I'll actually ride that one into the sunset. You're just going to, they're not going to tell you anything. You'll be like, yeah, he was really good at that thing. There we were, you know, (laughs) hanging off the cliff. (laughs) And I said to John, John, we're not going to make it. And he said, you're goddamn wrong. We're going to make it. Let me show you. And then he reached up and got his finger in the crag of the cliff and he pulled me up. And that's why you should hire John Smith. (laughs) A true leader. I'll do it. I'll do it. Put me down as a reference. And now it's time for the Warrior Rising Veteran Entrepreneur of the Week. Warrior Rising is the preeminent veteran entrepreneurship charity in the galaxy. Warrior Rising provides education, mentorship, grants, and more to veteran entrepreneurs. No one helps build more successful veteranpreneurs than Warrior Rising. Each week, Warrior Rising selects one veteranpreneur to feature in our program. Here's this week's. What happens when a patriotic scientist recombinates George Washington's DNA with gunpowder and a drizzle of red, white, and blue? You end up with the most amazingly American shoes possible. RDC Shoes. RDC shoes are the single most patriotic pair of shoes created ever. Generals salute them. The Marines admit the shoes are tougher than they are. 
And rumor has it that RDC Shoes were the actual author of the Declaration of Independence. They let the framers take all the credit. From the soles to the tongue to the very laces themselves, these shoes are covered in the most comfortable red, white, and blue you'll ever feel across your feet. If Americanism didn't seal the deal, then maybe knowing that RDC Shoes donates $10 to the Woody Williams Foundation and $10 to the Congressional Medal of Honor Society with every single purchase. Great quality, unbridled patriotism, and a generous contribution to two great causes? Sign me up. Visit rdcshoes.com to get yours today. That's rdcshoes.com. Oh my God, that's yeah. wild. Yeah. That's wild. All right, yeah. so how did you get to your current show? Because mm -hmm. your current show yeah. is huge. Yeah, so that was the time I was breaking out of the box and I, was, I started doing the decision hour and then I decided I wanted something a little more consistent. I wanted to put a show out every single week. I learned over the years that, wow, the, the more I'm consistent, the more interaction I have with people who listen yep. to my show. Um, still never looked at my stats at that point um, because that never mattered to me. And then 2018, I started Wake Up With Patty Catter, and that was because I wanted to break out of that box. And um, basically, I was do you, shocked. Do you do those shows live or are they pre-recorded? They're pre-recorded. Okay. There's a reason for okay. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you never know what goes on behind the scenes. Yep. And uh, I learned my lesson the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they're pre-recorded. And so this sounds weird to a lot of people, but ever since I was young, I picked up computer really easy. I could make websites really easy. I never took a course in my life. I just started doing it. And yeah, um, it was kind of that yeah. way, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It was kind of that way. Mm -hmm. I. Um, I think we had like a mandatory Pascal course when I was in high school, but like when I went to college, um, West Point had a mandatory computer science series of classes, and mm -hmm. I it was the only thing that like I completely tested out of, mm -hmm. uh, and like there was literally nothing that they were teaching that I didn't already know. But we learned from like trying, and yeah. like PC Magazine used to have code in mm -hmm. the back, mm -hmm. and you'd like look at the code and figure out what it did and that's how we taught ourselves back then yeah like that was the generation yeah. yeah and the same thing with podcasting you know i started out on this little talk shoe radio and then blog talk radio and then um what am i uh, today i'm using anchor for my hosting anchor's awesome yeah it is it's, it's not great, anchor anymore uh, yeah they switched they it just to, changed yeah. it to podcasters by spotify yeah spotify <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> So all the time I'm just like teaching myself and keeping current on everything. And honestly, I, I teach podcasting courses sometimes, um, like once a year. And when I do, I'm thinking, how can you not know this? Because it's just something I know. So that's interesting. So what is your advice to a new podcaster? For example. <laughs> not that we're pointing anyone out. I think you're doing amazing. Thank you. Thank and you. consistency. Consistency. Yes. But what time. else? I mean, consistency is is obviously like critical. That's mm -hmm. you have to do that period. But yeah, don't, what else? Don't be hard on yourself. I know when I first started, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And still, if I go back and listen to some of my old episodes, I cringe. <laughs> um, so don't hold anything against yourself I mean you're gonna say things on the show sometimes you're like why did I say that sometimes I can't even talk on my podcast and my tongue will get twisted and I'm like oh, I'll make a joke of it like oh, I'm a podcaster I can't even talk or um, 
I guess don't be afraid either what other people will say because as I said earlier you're damned if you do damned if oh, you yeah. don't speak yeah. you know speak your truth your mind and it'll work out so I, I'll never speak my truth because I believe only in the truth so I have to I always have to push back on that phrase because I'm like no but I do know what you mean like just be you know be genuine mm -hmm. to yourself yeah um, I don't worry about I don't worry about people hating me anymore mm -hmm. it's I've been on the internet for too long like I, someone's gonna hate me if you have any opinion whatsoever someone hates you and uh, that phrase right if you're not doing something right then you are going to have haters yeah. but if you are doing something right you're, you're still going to have haters yeah, yeah there's so. no escaping it yeah. there's no and the bigger your show gets mm -hmm. you have more mm -hmm. i mean that's just the way like you look at joe rogan i mean more people hate that guy and i honest to god like i'm not uh, you know I, i've met joe a few times like he's a nice guy i'm not i wouldn't call myself his friend or anything like you know but um I have never seen him do something that was truly like evil or wrong or whatever. He just interviews people and lets them talk. And somehow, you know, they're, they're, you know, equating listening to this guy as being a bad person. Like he has very interesting guests mm -hmm. and asks good questions. Like I don't get it, but you're not changing it. I mean, you know. I think he picks yeah. up his, he picks up their enemies. Because it's like, oh, you gave him a platform. Yeah. Now you're, oh, yeah. you're on the chopping block too. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly. But I would have, I would have anybody on here that has something to say, yep. you know. Um, and, you know, I, like I wouldn't have somebody that I considered like evil. Yeah. But I would have, you know, people that I disagree with. Wouldn't you, though, like I would really want to interview somebody like the president of Iran. Or I don't think like, that I don't think the president of Iran wants to sit <laughs> opposite I, me. I don't. I know, but wouldn't you want to though? Like, come on, for real. I don't know. That's a serious kill list to get on. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm thinking because at the end of the uh, at the end of that interview, being on the Iranian kill list is different different <laughs> yeah. than being on the ISIS kill list. It's like ISIS, like they had some capability, but they they couldn't extend. What would that question be, like line be like? Would he be like, "So Nick, what's it feel like to be a dirty imperialist?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> would you have a neutral position with him? Oh man, how do you? That would be a tough one to have a neutral position. I don't, I, I don't know if I could do it because Iran is behind the deaths of so many service members. Oh, that's true. And you know, Iraq, I, mean, I mean, you know, Iran, you know, Iranian freedom fighters were in Iraq. They're in Afghanistan. Like, I mean, just death stacked on death stacked on death coupled with, like, I actually, you know, I, I find the Iranian people to be some of the best people I've ever met. You know, when you meet mm -hmm. individual Persians, um, you know, disciplined, like, you know, they have an affinity for wrestling, which of course, you know, brings them up a notch in, in, in my eye. Um, but the government is just evil. I mean, it's an evil government, you know? And so they're such like, they're diametrically opposed. The average Persian compared to the government but then you have like the you know the ridiculous you know uh, segment of the population that is all in on you know the jihad like it's I don't know it, it's such an 
it'd be interesting to talk about like the theocracy of it, mm-hmm. where I would basically say like, said, do you believe that you would not have a government if it wasn't for your religion? What would or you ask? Versa? What would you ask if you were sitting across from the Ayatollah or, you know? <laughs> well, like my podcasts go, I will say, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you grew up. <laughs> You'd start and there? I would start there. Okay. Let me take you to a mud hut. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how you grew up. Yep. Talk about some of the most difficult times in your life and why they were most difficult. Mm. And then we go from there, buddy. <laughs> I think I think that would that would raise some pretty awesome stories from anybody in the room. Man, I think I'd have to do that interview in a dress. Put a little wig on. I think, you know, I'll tell you what. Like, I think I'd have to be... Yeah, I can't no. Welcome to the pressure cooker. I'd be in drag for that one. <laughs> no, you know? Like, hey, you, you know? would get a lot of viewers. <laughs> you know, because, you know. You'd get a death stare. <laughs> I, I think of that's like an evil situation. I don't know if I could do it. I really have to think about that. That's a great question. You should do this for a, you know, for a living. I, I like that. Tell me about your childhood part, though. Oh, I yeah. think there could, you could find some, like, re- Yeah, why relate- is he like this? Yeah. Why yeah. is, what's making you think these well, thoughts. And this is the crazy thing is because I think I believe everyone is the hero of their own story. And I believe that, you know, with very few exceptions, mm-hmm. most people think they are doing the right thing. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, you don't really go all out unless you think you're doing the right thing. And so, mm-hmm. but I just, it's, it's crazy to me what, you know, Iran in the seventies was a pretty progressive, you know, mm-hmm. country. And now, like it, you know, it certainly is not that. And so how do you get there? And, you know, I think we all know how it happened, but it's still crazy, like watching it happen. Yeah. Who's the one guest you'd love to have on your show? Mm, I knew you were going to ask this. And I, I'm not sure because... That's a terrible answer. I know. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure. Um, all right. How about I five think, people that you would like to have on your podcast? That way you can, I, you can pick from different, you know, worlds. Yeah. I would like to have, let's see here. I think I would like to have Trump on my show because, I mean, I've met him a few times yeah. and he's hilarious. <laughs> George so here, W. Bush. Tom oh. does an excellent Trump. So oh. here, we can practice, ra- we can practice okay. right now. Okay. We can practice right now. Yes. Ask, ask President Trump something. Tell me a little bit about how you grew up. <laughs> well, since I was young, my father, he gave me a million dollars and said, you need to go out and be the best that you possibly can. I mean, the best that you can, top notch, best cream of the crop. I started to stake line. I started hotels. I own half of New York. I really do. But you know, they all love me. They really, and they're really disappointed now since I left and I went to Florida. That's great. Now, can you say bing bong, bing bong? Because he does that a lot too. Bing bong, bing bong. <laughs> no, you have to, you really have to put your fist into it. You got to just like bing bong, bing yes. bong. Yes. Like that? That's okay, it. got it. <laughs> All right. So Trump? Yes. So Trump, um, I would interview the president of Iran. I definitely you would. So would. that's number mm-hmm. two. Trump yeah. and the president of Iran. At the yeah. same time. Uh, at the, on opposite. <laughs> you comparing them to each other? <laughs> on opposite ends of the table, yeah. I would okay. have them sitting. All right. Um, I would interview, I think, Sarah Palin. Okay. Just, I think she's an interesting person. Um, I would like to interview Monica, Monica Lewinsky. That would be a great one. Yeah, Ooh. I would love she, to. She's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. She's pretty cool. She, she has, has to be. She has dealt with uh, all of it, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, when you really think, I remember as a kid, 
I say kid. You know, I think I was, uh, I'm trying to remember, what year was that? 92, 93? 93, I want to guess, but I'm going to make sure. I was like heading to college. And I remember, you know, the news was all about like how bad this girl was, right? This woman, right? The poor president was almost the way it was framed. And you look at it now, and now, you know, I am in my 40s, so much closer to the president's age back then. And this is a 21-year-old kid. And I look at, I have kids that are, and I'm like, how the hell was she the villain? Yes. How the hell was this kid Mm -hmm. the villain of the story of the most powerful 40-something, or he might have been 50, I can't remember how old he was at the time, but like, and she was a kid, mm-hmm. and she got dragged. And uh, I mean, it, do you want to know when the when the sexual scandal yes. uh, started? When did it break? When when, when she story, told everyone? When did the right? story break? Okay, that was nineteen ninety eight. Ninety eight. Yeah, okay. it, their right, their was, actual relationship was, was uh, nineteen ninety five. Okay. To ninety seven. Yeah, so I was in college for all of it. Yeah. That. Yeah. I graduated as that was breaking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would be a really good interview. Because it's just like we were talking about earlier, right? You have all these people saying things about you online. Yep. But if they were to meet this girl in person, would they still do that? I mean, people did. Yeah. It was... Uh, They were ruthless. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was the joke. I mean, I remember it being a joke on Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was like a recurring joke. Mm -hmm. And he did, like... He walked away pretty scot-free, yeah. and her life was destroyed. For She couldn't get a job. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, I don't know how adults back then spun the story in that direction. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, every time I think about it, it bothers me. Because, and I'm not one of these people that's like, you know older people can't date younger people or whatever like you're an adult you're an adult but Mm. you know if my wife dumped me would I ever date a 21 year old I wouldn't I just wouldn't like there's we have nothing in common literally no life experience um and this is like a married president yeah I just it's such an absurd Mm -hmm. it's such an absurd situation I would I would want to know like between Clinton and Hillary, like, did you decide then and there that this relation, this like marriage was more of a business transaction now and it would be detrimental if we split up and that's why they're still together? Or like, what goes on with that? It's it's weird when you get that well known, right? I think, because once, even, you're, I think once you're at that level, you're yeah. not, it's, you're an institution. I mean, she took something that most women might be embarrassed about and made it into a profitable book. Who else? I think, I think we were up to... Four? Four, yeah. You and then George more. Bush. George Bush. Yeah. I would like to interview him. Yep. Um, you know, he was the president when Ken was in Iraq. Unfortunately, he didn't sign Ken's retirement paperwork, though, because there was a that? new president. <laughs> there was a different president. So first that's question. In, it's in the drawer now. <laughs> That'd be your first question, right? Why didn't you Why sign, didn't you sign <laughs> this? Can you please just sign this? So what's next for you? What is the next? So you've got this hit show. Millions of people listen to you every week. Um, where do you want to go from here? You know, I don't know. It's like wherever I'm supposed to go next. Um, I have a trip coming up to go to Guatemala next awesome. month. Um, I is like that to, for fun or is that work? It's it's a little of both. 
Um, I'm doing some humanitarian work there cool. and I'm excited about it. I like doing that. So I'm trying to do more things that I enjoy again um, because now I am really confident in my show. I don't have any worries. Everything is going smoothly in my life, thankfully, like at this point in mm-hmm. life. Yeah, um, definitely do yeah. this. Yeah. Because every time I think life yeah. is good, something mm-hmm. happens. Literally yeah. every time, you know. Yeah, so I'm just kind of taking it day by day and just implementing more things that I like to do in life. So not all focused on work. So um, you've written a few books. Mm -hmm. Is there a book project on the horizon? I'm writing another book right now. What's this one about? So this one is about... Can I say a bad word on the show? Yeah, you can say like a really bad word. Yeah. Okay. So it's basically how. <laughs> I'm like, like, what word is it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> like a really the F one. Um, it's basically how never to get screwed over or fucked over again. Yep. Um, because there were times in my life that I kind of was naive and I always thought everybody wanted to help everybody. And yeah. um, so there were a couple situations I was in um, where people would use me for my connections or um, I had a guy scam a lot of money from our family and mm. we thought he was a friend of ours. So I'm writing a book about that and I'm creating a course about that as well. So. Okay. Yeah. That sound. See, I feel like you're moving away from like positive Patty to like it's, vengeance it's, Patty. <laughs> no, it's still going to be really positive because it's going to say how like, dark does it get? It, I mean, it tells all my. Is it like cut off their hands and um, you collect this? I have a skull collector now, so I don't have to do Put that. Put their myself. head on a pike outside your lawn, <laughs> and you will never have anyone come at you ever again, except but, the HOA. Yeah, but basically, it's just like, hey, we can have these bad things in life happen, but here the red flags to look out for so you won't have those things keep repetitively happening in your life yep. and how you can move forward positively in your business and in your personal life so that's cool it so still I guess stays in that's cool because yeah. of your influence then and who you've known in the past and the fact that you've been screwed over by these, I guess you block all of that out and don't let it so you really have to look inward for whatever you're going to do next yes. right yes and something that happened this year to help me look inward literally was i had a really bad uh, tear in my retina mm. so i lost part of my vision in my left eye and permanently I, or is it so sick? it's better now okay. um but i had to have two surgeries on that eye and then a preventative surgery on my right eye so i was literally only able to lay on my left side for seven weeks and i had a lot of inward soul searching to wow. do my dad had um he had I, I'm, I'm blanking on what it what it was but he had like a uh some kind of mild a degenerative condition in one of his eyes and it was a s- similar thing where it they had to go in and they had to like fix something burn something and then they had to fill the eye with a gas bubble with a gas bubble and he had yeah. he had for like a month he basically couldn't move much mm-hmm. it drove him nuts because yeah. even you know even uh you know in his mid-70s he's a he calls it tinkering, but tinkering will be like, oh, I rebuilt a car, you know, like I've built a bookshelf, you know, it's, it's always like some project. Mm-hmm. He was stuck in, so mm-hmm. it, was, it was hard, but it did fix the situation. Mm-hmm. So do you have like, is it like a genetic thing that they're worried about with the other eye? Um, he, well, probably I'm really bendable, so <laughs> I have never talked about this on the show. <clears throat> so I'm super flexible. I have something called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I bend really easy. And my wife has it. Okay, yeah. yeah. So my that's a <laughs> yep. something to be aware of with the retina because that you're prone to retina tears. Oh, perfect. Yes, but 
your eye doctor, <laughs> your eye doctor should be able to tell you this, but okay. they don't for some reason. So my new eye doctor, he's amazing. He's like, well, you have all the signs that your right retina is going to be tearing because you have all the symptoms. Wow. And so they did a preventative laser treatment on that eye. Okay. Um, so yeah. All right, I'll pass that on. Yeah. <laughs> great. Yeah, we can talk more about this. Yes. I have a great doctor. But yeah, that was pretty scary. Actually, just um, a couple of days ago on Friday, I had to go to the eye doctor to make sure the gas bubble was completely gone so I could fly here. So, so how are you going to market this book? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I might know a marketing agency that I might can talk. <laughs> can talk to. <laughs> how, how have you done your books in the past? Mm -hmm. Like, so I, I'm always curious mm -hmm. because, um, you know, writing a book, uh, was way harder than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And, uh, marketing it is easy because that's, I've just done that forever. But, but, you know, um, I expected that the publishing houses would do more than they actually do mm -hmm. for, all of the things, like the marketing right. and everything. Mm -hmm. What has your experience been thus far and kind of what are you thinking this time around? Mm -hmm. So usually I just market to my podcast listeners and that's what I've always done. Um, this time around, I am not positive where I'm going with it because mm -hmm. I think that it's an important topic that a lot of people don't talk about. And there's so many people, I mean, who hasn't gotten screwed over at one time yeah, or another, yeah, you, you know? Yeah, if you've lived um, yeah. and done anything, you've been screwed over. Yeah, yeah. so marketing, I'll probably still, um, you know, through my podcast, um, I have a group on Facebook. A lot of my listeners are super, super faithful. You are going to start seeing that if you haven't already. I'm <laughs> sure you have, though, with even Ranger Up. But I had a guy buy a new TV so he could watch my show on Roku. I mean, Roku <laughs> is just an app. Wow. You could have just done Jeez. that, you know? Wow. <laughs> um, so podcast is a great way to market. So um, the first time, the first books that you've done, you've done mm -hmm. two, right? Yes. Two so I did books. two, and then I was also co-author of a few books. And those books I didn't have to promote because this lady did. Um, they were the Faith Deployed series by oh, Jocelyn okay. Green. So okay. I was in those books yeah. as well. Very cool. Yeah. When, when people get screwed over, they don't want to talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's almost like something, And that's kind of how it proliferates, right? Because mm -hmm. then they don't want to warn other people because in order to warn them, they so got to do that. It's super embarrassing. I was actually talking to Hollywood and telling them what happened to us. So um, we were scammed in a big way. So this guy befriended our family. He befriended our friends. We thought he was a multimillionaire doing great. We would go to, like, we would have similar birthday parties that we would attend wow. to. He had us to Christmas parties. He is one of the biggest Ponzi scheme artists in the U.S., and he was just um, served, oh, I forget what his sentence was. He was just sentenced to, like, 28 years in prison or something Whoa, like good. that. Good. So we worked with the FBI to... Um, I talked at the sentencing. I talked at his hearing. Um, wow. I Is this was what, a witness. Were you just huge. like one of multiple families or something? Yeah. So he stole $80 million oh, from people. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was a biggie. <laughs> and from us, he stole $100,000. Um, I recorded on the FBI oh. podcast, and that's coming out soon, I think, the end of this okay. month. Wow. And, yeah. That's no joke. It was no joke. I would joke. be very upset. It was, it was more upsetting. Like, my husband was a lot more pissed than I was. Yep. To me, I was like, dude, you were supposed to be our friend. I know. Yeah, how do like, they do that? Yeah. Sociopaths. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're sociopaths, you yeah. know? And it's, a, it's uh, you know, having, having worked with people in the intelligence community that have some of those attributes mm -hmm. to be able to do what they do, yeah. you know? But, like when there's like a 
there's a spectrum of you know being a sociopath and like the people that are all the way here like they really don't care what they do to other people as long as they benefit yeah that same day that the fbi had been to his house to tell him he is under investigation he showed up at our friend's birthday party we're all having lunch together he sat having lunch with us didn't say a peep like oh the fbi was at our house today nothing gave us all hugs happy birthday to our friend left like keeping the keeping the show going and then got arrested yeah (laughs) and you had no idea at this point no none Okay, I can see wild. why you wouldn't trust anybody. That is wild. <laughs> yeah. And also, he stole eighty million dollars. Like to like yeah. a, a smart person, if you got away with it once, mm-hmm. you'd probably fade off, right? And yeah. Just, yeah. But they like, can't. How many they, millions do you take? I mean, <laughs> they can't stop. Mm-mm. Yeah, and his story was spun so big too. And in my head, I'm thinking he probably thought in his own twisted mind that maybe he did have intentions of paying us all back. It was like an, a loan. Yeah. Um, so I, I keep trying to hope the best for him. Like, oh gosh, you know, maybe he was intending to pay us back. But then we found out like shortly after he took our money, he went and bought a Maserati. <laughs> I, I've typically found, and again, I've never been in that situation, but I've typically found that the, the big liars that I've met, they do convince themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah that this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, many years ago, I employed a guy and it's crazy. Cause like, I really, like I considered him one of my best friends and I still like, I still have a lot of empathy for him. He was a, he was a combat vet. Um, he actually had done heroic things. And uh, for whatever reason, he had to embellish. He he, you know, he had a couple of deployments. He told everybody. He told everybody he had multiple. Like, mm-hmm. I won't say the exact number because mm-hmm. I don't want people to like search for him. And but mm-hmm. he he like a very high number of deployments mm-hmm. at a time when no one but the baddest dudes <laughs> yeah. had yeah. that number of deployments. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what finally got him pinched was he lied about an award mm-hmm. that was a very high award that you know not quite the medal of honor but awfully close Why? and when he said it multiple guys were mm-hmm. like and they you know everyone looked him up mm-hmm. because there aren't you know it's a short list it's yeah. a short and list. you could be like nope not on it's here. a short list he wasn't on it he mm-hmm. got you know he got approached then it was like did the whole well mine is classified kind of thing and then everyone knows mm-hmm. then it's like ah this isn't real oh gosh yeah and it was terrible because um one of his friends reached out and was like listen he was a he was a hero he saved my life he mm-hmm. saved this guy's life i don't know why he's doing this but can you look out for him mm-hmm. and i actually i actually did reach out to the people that usually destroy these guys mm-hmm. like we got him help mm-hmm. but you know, he in his head had said it enough times that he actually believed a lot of the things mm-hmm. that he was saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've seen it too. I've seen it in the military community where, because I helped with a lot of nonprofits, and yeah, we see it. You have these; they're really, really heroes. I mean, they're heroes they're without heroes. the story. They're here. They don't need and, them, right? Yeah, yeah. They don't need them. Yeah, yeah, there were groups contacting you, right? That were like, our specialty uh, is we find veterans that are lying uh, and we go after them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, yeah, they say it enough times, they believe it. Mm-hmm. And 
and then even the guys that don't believe it, like once they've built this mm-hmm. persona, right? They'll defend it to the death because once it gets ripped apart, mm-hmm. they're left with nothing. Yeah. I remember sitting at the table with this guy. His name's Mike DeCorda. We used to call him Muscle Mike. And I remember sitting at him before I gave him our money. And I said, you know, I want to make sure that this money, we're going to get it back. We're going to get this interest back. And he's like, yes, unless the entire global economy crashes, um, you'll get your money back. So we were really confident, but he he exuberated such confidence in himself, and he did have like a really nice new office building and a beautiful sure. mansion and yeah. all these things. Yeah, yeah. So he scammed a lot of people. Yeah, I'll <laughs> I mean, bet. Some of our friends gave I'll bet. a lot more. Some, you know, is over a million dollars in investments, sure. and um, so it's yeah. Yeah, I learned the hard way, but. I was embarrassed to talk about it for so long because I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it sucks. But, yeah. It sucks. And of course, you're always going to have those people that were like, oh, that would have never happened to yeah. me. But, you know. If you're friends with someone and you, I mean, like it took yeah. a while for him to build our trust too. Years, I'm sure. Two, two years. Yeah, so. that's a long, no one, a regular person does not think someone's going to game you for two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in and, order to get an investment. Yeah, and invite us to really fancy Christmas parties. Like we weren't giving him anything at that yeah. point, you know. Oh he, yeah, there's he's just spinning that web. He groomed us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So that so that's the impetus for the book. Mm-hmm. That's yes. cool. Yeah, it is. Are you are you uh, publishing through someone, or do you think you're going to self publish? I'm going to self publish. Mm-hmm. Just did. because you have the audience. At this I point. do. Yeah. yeah, and I even um, I self published for the other two as well. Um, I just knew it was a good idea because I, I have a background in journalism, mm-hmm. so I know how to write. I know how to yeah. technically, I know how to market myself. I've been doing it with my podcast for so long um, and it worked. So my yeah. first, honestly, my first book was a kind of like, let me get my feet wet, kind of see how I like this or yep. don't like it. Yep. And then I created a journal, which can be used um along with that book about stress and how to de-stress. And um, it's like a journal you write in every single day. Um, but this book is going to be different. I want to really um, publicize it because I think that there are a lot of embarrassed people. Like, you yeah. don't want to talk about the times you get screwed over. Like, who wants to do that? But that's how you get stronger, too. That's cool. I, I um, you know, with Scars and Stripes, that was my first, you know, foray into mm-hmm. publishing. And we, we were with Simon & Schuster for that. And, um, you know, they were great. Like, it was very nice having, you know, an editor. You know, mm-hmm. Amar Dale was, uh, was our editor. And he was, he was actually the reason we chose Simon & Schuster. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, there were, like, seven offers on the table. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we basically interviewed all of the editors. And, and he was the one that I was like, I can work with this guy and I trust him. And so that, that part of it was great. Um, the part that wasn't great is you come to find out that these organizations actually don't know how to market a book at all. Yeah. Like they really have no idea how to market a book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for them marketing is, you know, you're, you know, maybe we'll get you on some shows. We'll do some PR for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. And like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, we had like influencers involved. We were running ads. We made videos. We had like a, four and a half month plan we had the book on Times square yeah i mean we built up to the moment of launch by the time we launched we already knew 
that unless the New York Times really hated us, that mm -hmm. we made the list because mm -hmm. we had sold more than, you know, I mean, more than the like half the list at least every week prior. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was like, all right, unless they just hate us, which is possible, it happens. Like we're we should make the list, and then we then the first week we had a you know we had a plan for that, and mm -hmm. Tim was on you know a number of shows, and it, you know so there was like a plan. Mm -hmm. If we hadn't made the plan, the plan was essentially going to be like a couple shows and a press release, and I you was know. like, it's weird, it's weird uh -huh. that 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 industry, and I've spoken to other people from other giant houses, it's been the same. Like mm -hmm. it's weird that that industry doesn't know how to sell their product. I think though it's because you were military, right? You're a veteran. Mm -hmm. You learned that foundation of what real hard work is because I've worked for um, secular uh, uh, civilian marketers. Yep. And I see how lazy some of them can be. Really, at the end of the day, they're lazy. They'll just do what they have to do to get by. And if they you know, give you those deliverables like they're just making it right yeah so I think that you had that background and know how to to accomplish the mission I mean I, I, I hope that's true but I also think like everyone here all of my employees at Diesel Jack Media like they really like what they do mm -hmm. and they want the clients to win but they have a great leader What's that? They Talk, have a great, talking about Hollywood? They have a great leader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hollywood's awesome. He's yeah. great. Albert's pretty good, too. <laughs> no. Um, no, but it, it's, it is interesting. Like, I'm always amazed at, you know, in every industry that I've touched, mm -hmm. whether you're talking about apparel or you're talking about Hollywood or you're talking about um, marketing, it's amazing how many successful people actually have no idea what they're doing. They really don't know what they're doing, and and uh, and that's why I really liked what you said before. Like every time I ask you, like, "Well, how did you do this?" and you're like, "I don't know, I just did it." How often is that true in life? Mm -hmm. Like you just instead of um, trying to make something perfect, you just start. That mm -hmm. seems to be the way that you've done things. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny because some people are like, "Oh, you must have all this education." <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm like, no, I just I I do it because I listen to my gut, and that's really helped me come a long way. It's just like sitting back, being quiet, being still, not listening to everybody telling me what I should do or who I should be. Yep. And just really, like, listening to myself. And if your gut tells you to do something. You either already know how to do it. It's like somehow inside of you already is what I believe. Or you find the, the means or the way to learn how to do it. Figure it, it out. But, um, yeah. yeah, but it just is like a natural thing to me. So do we have a name for this book? Or you want to hold that for a little while? I longer. don't have it quite yet. Okay. And I'm actually working with my business mentor. He's amazing, and he's helped me with my podcast too. Behind the scenes, just kind of mentoring Should, me. Do you want to give him or her? A yeah, shout out? yeah. Mike Young. His Mike name Young. is Mike Young, the Makeover Master. Is that what he calls um, himself? Yeah. <laughs> the Makeover Master. <laughs> he, so he doesn't call himself that anymore. But okay. yeah. So when I first met him, that's what he would do, and it wasn't like appearances. It was literally, like. For me, it was helping me get from being yeah. that caregiver to like, ah, this 
Ah, myself. Yeah. So he's like, like he's yeah. like a life coach kind of guy. Oh my gosh, yeah, he's yeah. amazing. The yes. makeover master. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't throw that away. That's pretty good, man. <laughs> the makeover master. Yeah, I don't think Michael he's gonna be Young. able to throw it away now. <laughs> he's amazing. He really is. And you know, he's actually taught me a lot to like listen to myself, be confident enough to do that. Um, I don't even know what I was going to say about him, but he's just great. But he's great at making over. <laughs> he's, yeah, he is. He <laughs> Emotionally. Really, he is. Emotionally making mm-hmm. someone yeah. yeah, because for me, too, I was really insecure when I first met him. Like, because I felt like I was this military spouse. And how am I supposed to start my own show? Who am I yep. to do that? You yep. know, you have these imposter syndrome thoughts sure. once in a while. Yeah, it's tough sometimes, mm-hmm. right? It, it really is tough sometimes because I spend a lot of time going... You know, even on my own, even even on my own social media, I'm like, I don't want to be that guy that's giving advice all the time mm-hmm. because who the fuck am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like I really feel that way. Um, and Hollywood's very positive. He's like, well, you've done this, you've done that, you can share experiences, and I, I like that about this show because we can talk about it. But I don't have all the answers. I've screwed up so many things; it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. You know, and. Um, but and you do have to have the confidence you can get things done. Yeah, and you have to know, too, that every person doesn't have the answer. Like, you, nobody has all the answers to everything. I, I think and if we really think about it, everyone from us to the president all the way down, mm-hmm. no one really has the answers. And mm-hmm. that's the scariest thing mm-hmm. is we're a bunch of fancy monkeys doing mm-hmm. the best we can. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Got to chill. <laughs> I mean, even when you ask me who do I want on my podcast, I think, you know, I never have gotten excited about celebrities or mm-hmm. a certain a certain group of people or anything like that. I just kind of listen to my gut and think, like, what do my listeners want? And they want the truth. They want, like, you. They need your kind of podcasting. They need my podcasting because we're kind of – your niche is, like, really breathtaking too it's really nice because you went <laughs> it's breathtaking hey um, hey all you out there you're breathtaking <laughs> take my breath away. is that a butterfly for me <laughs> he's growing wings <laughs> um no but really i mean you're very truthful everybody wants the truth these days and i love that you're doing this show where you're not screaming at other people and you're just like letting them talk except for tom we're allowed to yell at tom yeah, you're allowed to yell at me don't it's yell okay. too loud though you don't, you don't want him to collect your skull <laughs> i think he calls it harvesting it's yeah. <laughs> a proper terminology yeah i just picture bates motel now <laughs> it's much more no but yeah, I, I like that you're just branching out. I think that's cool. It, it's been fun. I'm really enjoying it. The way I look at it is I think about, will I be able to have an interesting conversation with this person? Mm-hmm. Like if I think I'm going to sit down and the person's going to be yelling at me or the person's going to be um, unwilling to honestly have a conversation. and Like I don't care if the opinion's different, mm-hmm. but it has to come from an honest place and not trying to... Mm -hmm. say what people think they should say or whatever right then i'm not interested Mm -hmm. but if they're willing to have an honest conversation and kind of like discuss whatever Mm -hmm. i'm game Mm -hmm. that's that's how i approach it and people want that they're so tired of the drama on the news they can't you don't believe the news exactly no one believe like i don't care what station you're listening to no one believes it anymore Mm -hmm. which is a problem Mm -hmm. like it's a problem because it's getting harder and harder to discern what is the truth Mm -hmm. 
And when we're not operating from the same truth, mm. um, you know, coming back to the, you know, me joking with you before about, you know, your truth, but if we're not operating on the same truth, not the same opinion about the truth, right. but if we disagree fundamentally on what the truth is, it's very hard to come together. Mm-hmm. And so I think when I think about who the enemy is, I don't think about the enemy as being Republican or Democrat. I think about the enemy as being people who purposefully obfuscate the truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how I, that's one of the big reasons why we do the show Mm -hmm. is I want to talk to people and actually hear what they have to say. Yeah. And you know, that's why podcasting really blew up too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because there's so much truth out there now. You just have to weed through and find it. Yeah. I mean, and even if you don't like somebody or you Mm -hmm. don't like their opinion, being able to hear how they think about things, I think is incredibly Mm -hmm. important. Yeah. Yeah. You can't condense international politics in a five-minute spot. A you five can't. It's a two-minute Or a two-minute, yeah. You know, a sound bite. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, this is something where you're going to have to break it down, and each of those might be like an hour-long segment, but they don't want that. All right. So before <laughs> we do the, the quick rapid-fire round, mm-hmm. are there any questions that you would have wished that I asked you that I have not asked you? Hmm my deepest darkest secret no what is your deepest darkest (laughs) we want to know uh i really don't like talking about myself well you've chosen the wrong profession (laughs) i know i don't like talking about myself but i interview people and i like hearing their stories and so i'm willing to sacrifice But you came on to talk about yourself today. I did. It's because you asked me, though. Um, I wouldn't just go on anybody's show. I've actually been asked to be on a lot of shows, and I don't say yes to everything. Well, we we appreciate you coming. I certainly appreciate you coming. So thank Thank you for that. Thank you. Imagine a media agency that can make a documentary that qualifies for Academy Award voting. Imagine another that created a billboard charting music video for Five for Fighting. Imagine another that has raised so much money for nonprofits in its first year working on the classy.org platform that at the end of the year, it was named as only the second marketing partner in Classy's history. Imagine another firm that can cover your events anywhere on planet Earth and provide a compelling series of videos about those events immediately and to your needs. And imagine another still that can help your e-commerce business take it to the next level. Now imagine that they're all the same business, Diesel Jack Media. Some of you might be saying, hey, Nick, isn't that your company? And to that I answer, can a company like Diesel Jack Media really be owned? Or can it merely be coaxed out like a beautiful butterfly on a spring day? As you listen to this podcast that, by the way, Diesel Jack Media created, you may be asking yourself, what's our secret? It's simple. We try not to suck. Sounds easy, right? It should be, but somehow marketing companies and media agencies always seem to get it wrong. You see, we don't make PowerPoints about doing work. We do the work because we like the work. And if one of our ideas doesn't work, you know what we do? We try another one again and again and again until our ideas start to work. Because not quitting until it's right is at the heart of not sucking. And as previously mentioned... That's what we try not to do here. Diesel Jack Media. We try not to suck. Visit us at dieseljackmedia.com. That is dieseljackmedia.com. I think we're ready for the fast round. Do you have the hat, sir? <laughs> what? This is, so this is one that we talked before about things we've improved. So. Okay. 
so but <laughs> something about it in a hat just makes it so much cooler so uh at the beginning of the show it was just me kind of throwing the questions out off the top of my head and we found sometimes that was too slow mm -hmm. and then we started having the group do it and then now it's just i don't even know what's in here okay, okay. so if That's it's fun. like if i look at it and i'm like this is just offensive you'll just see me throw it oh i don't care i don't think i'll care <laughs> you can ask me anything well you don't know you don't know the staff at Diesel Jack <laughs> Media. It's so. okay. It will liven it but up. But the first question that I always ask everybody, no matter what, mm -hmm. and the whole idea here is we're, we're quick answering these, right? Okay. What is the toughest animal you think you could defeat in hand-to-hand -hand combat? <laughs> a, uh, a porcupine. <laughs> a porcupine? <laughs> I just, now I need to know. How, like, in your mind, how are you defeating the porcupine? Well, there is a true story behind this. Oh, you have, you've already fought a porcupine? <laughs> well, kind of, but it was unfair. So I was hunting for the very, very first time ever. And porcupine hunting? Well, I ended up, I didn't know I was sitting in a porcupine nest <laughs> because the porcupine wasn't there. My husband's like, here, sit in this little tree area. It's yeah. great. So I'm sitting there, and the next thing you know, this porcupine comes up to me, and it's going, eh. And like making these noises and it like stood up on its legs and stuff. Yeah. I did. I ended up shooting it because I didn't know. Did it leave behind a bunch of small porcupine <laughs> babies? I didn't. No, I didn't see any babies. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a this is like a Chevy Chase film. Yeah, yeah like you a shot. <laughs> You know? Are we talking like shotgun? So you shot it? Yeah. Shotgun. With a shotgun at point blank range? I was scared. I didn't know what it was going to do to me. It was like making... What was your husband's reaction? He wasn't sitting by me anymore. He left me there. So he, he left me in this little area. And he was... A, he was and he was in his tree yeah, area, yeah. his little tree stand. And um, he heard the gunshot, so he thought I th shot a deer. <laughs> oh my god. And did he walk up and he was like, wrong species. Uh, no. He's like, what did you shoot? Where's the deer? And I was like, uh. <laughs> wasn't a deer. Wow. All right. You're the first guest that has been able to answer that question. <laughs> Truthfully, we've had people say lion. Oh and I'm my like, gosh. oh, really? You think so? <laughs> All right. Here we go. If someone wrote a biography about you, what do you think the title would be? Um, how to get um oh my gosh um untwisted <laughs> untwisted i like it i like it all right all right here we go after you survive the apocalypse what will your new job be um housework <laughs> <laughs> will there be houses <laughs> all right all right do you drive in the left lane and if so do you move over to let people pass you do i drive in the left lane do I, you drive in the left lane i do yeah and, and if so if someone's coming up behind you, do you move over to let them pass you? No. Oh my God. Oh no. I go faster. We're finding oh, so no. many of these. Oh, and you know, so far all of the non-left lane movers have been ladies. I'm not trying to <laughs> be I, a misogynist. I'm just stating I fact. I go faster though. I don't uh, let them go around me. I go faster so they okay. can't. All right, yeah. all right. If wow. you had to replace your hands with something other than claws, <laughs> what would you put at the end of your arms? Forks. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's Salads great. beware. <laughs> what dumb thing did you believe for a really long time? Um, I believed that I had to make other people like me. Okay. That's a good one. That's, that's deep, but we're going to just keep Yeah. Moving. 
When was the last time you screamed at the top of your lungs? Mm, maybe last week. What was that about? <laughs> there was a frog in my bathroom. <laughs> did you shoot it with a shotgun? No. I, I captured him, though, and I did let him outside. I, it just startled me because I didn't expect that to be in there. Your yeah. life starts over right now, but you're 18 years old. You're going to forget everything except for one skill. What skill do you keep? Um, like a skill skill? Um, you decide. Shooting. You define it however shooting. you want. Shooting? Shooting? Yeah. So you're, you're waking up at 18, forgetting everything, but you can shoot. You want to know still how to can, shoot? We can yeah. still deal with that porcupine. What's your go-to karaoke song? Um, it's going to be a Christmas song. Hit me with it. Like, Let It Snow. Okay. You have to sing 10 seconds of Let It no. Snow. Here we go. I know who put that in there. Here we go. Are you ready? Okay. Go. The weather outside is frightful, but the world is so delightful. Da -da 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 -da. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. I am horrible at lyrics, and I told that to that Hollywood. That was terrible. I know. I told him I'm really bad <laughs> That at was lyrics. terrible. I'm, I'm a very positive <laughs> person, <laughs> but I want you to know that that was really bad. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Last one. Last one. Here I we go. I was in choir, too. Here we go. You were in choir, and yeah. that's what you gave us? I could probably sing, but I can't. But you just don't camera. want to. Yeah. What has been your favorite age so far? Now, right now, literally. As Jesus Jones once said, right here, right now, yep. there's no other place I'd want to be. I am like, I am so happy with myself right now. That's awesome. Great. Yeah. I'm really happy for you then. Thank you. And with that, I'm Nick Palmashano, and it has been an honor to have Patty Catter on today. Thank you so much for all of your insight into uh, how not to be fucked with, <laughs> starting a podcast, and uh, really lasting in a very challenging industry for a long time like it was a, no joke yeah it was a male dominated industry too when i yeah. started and now yeah. it's still a male dominated industry but you're doing great in it thank you <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks so much thank you